Hello, and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHA's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the Mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This episode is one of four focusing on flagship areas for WHA Europe. We've already talked about behavioural and cultural insights, mental health and immunisation. This week it's the turn of digital health. These flagships are priority areas for WHA Europe in the coming years. This series is about explaining why these are priorities and how they might impact the work already being done in your country. Digital health forms an important part of the future of health systems. Things like telemedicine and mobile medicine can help relieve overburdened health systems, bringing healthcare direct to people at home through computers, mobile phones and tablets. Artificial intelligence and digital tools are already helping to map outbreaks and informing responses, for example during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. But like many innovative technologies, sometimes they can create as many questions as answers. How can we ensure that digital health services provide the best possible care? How can we ensure that those without access to a digital device won't be left behind by the greater use of technology in health? And what about sensitive health data? How can we ensure people have confidence in the services they're being asked to use? Perhaps the best way to start answering some of these issues, counterintuitively, is with another question. What exactly do we mean when we refer to digital health? Well, perhaps ironically, defining digital health is one of the hardest questions to address purely due to the immense scope that it encompasses and also due to the fact that digital health is very much a dynamically involving and growing field. Clayton Hamilton is the coordinator for digital health at WHO's regional office for Europe. He explained how over time we are starting to understand more and more about what great potential digital health has to offer. In many people's eyes, digital health is often synonymous with hardware, devices and solutions, such as telemedicine to deliver healthcare over distances, all of which is true. But in reality, it's much, much more. The scope of digital health today extends from, for example, electronic health records and the standards which underpin the exchange of data, to mobile health apps for monitoring and prevention, public health portals that provide access to an individual's personal health records, and the delivery of integrated care and nanotechnologies and artificial intelligence in health. So really, you can see that it's many different things to many different people. But what digital solutions almost always have in common in health is their relationship to and their need for quality health data. Ultimately, digital health is a powerful conduit to the delivery of healthcare for managing chronic conditions, for health promotion and behaviour change, and for public health and ultimately for improving health and wellbeing. Interest in digital health has obviously been increasing for many years, but why has it now become a priority for WHO's regional office for Europe? Countries in Europe have long recognised the strategic value of digital health, and we've seen that reflected in both regional and global surveys, which have dated back to 2015. But there are several drivers as to why this area has become a priority for the regional office now. I think of these as push and pull drivers. The first is the existence of a number of socio-economic drivers which digital health is seen to be able to mitigate. These include the increasing cost of healthcare, increased life expectancy of populations, changes in burdens of disease and need for increased health security. These drivers are threatening essentially the sustainability of our health systems. 
The second is the maturity of the digital technologies themselves and a realisation of the unlocked potential of data that can lead to better ways of doing things and, for example, for improving public health surveillance, treatment outcomes, providing access to care and providing education to individuals. Thirdly, direct requests from member states. It's at the top of their priority list and they're asking for specific guidance from WHO to understand how to invest, leverage and evaluate digital health. Finally, there is a push factor, and that's really the need for WHO to be present in an increasing number of discussions that are vital for the safety and equity of digital health moving forward. We have an obligation to be in and to lead and shape these discussions. So these factors combined are really shaping as to why this is a priority for the regional office at this time. Beyond the rationale for digital health being a priority for countries, which you've already explained, what are the main activities countries are undertaking in the field of digital health? Well, there's really an immense range of applications of digital technologies that we're seeing. What's very important is that national investments in digital health are guided by a well-constructed digital health strategy that's closely linked to the achievement of health policy objective. This is important to ensure that the implementation of digital health complements the efforts of other stakeholders and sectors beyond health. So firstly, there's a set of activities that countries are actively engaged in to reform health information systems that includes digitalising and re-engineering existing paper-based processes, information storage and mechanisms of reporting. This work also inherently includes interoperability of health data and connecting parts of the health system that were perhaps not so well integrated in the past. The second is the development of digital services, including those which are public-facing, such as means to access health records, facilitating booking of appointments, prescribing and dispensing of essential medicines and telepsychiatry, but also support services such as e-referral systems, e-vaccination systems, e-pathology systems and so on, which are designed to ensure smoothly functioning and better integrated clinical operations. Then there's a body of effort vested in exploring and adopting what we call frontier technologies. This includes artificial intelligence in clinical care, robotics, national data lakes, and the incorporation of genomics and personalised medicine into primary healthcare. Well, now we have an understanding of some of the benefits of digital health and how it can be applied in countries. What is WHO Europe planning to do in order to assist the development and implementation of member states and move the field forward in Europe? The regional director has committed to accelerating the adoption of digital health by creating a digital health flagship under the framework of the European Programme of Work, or EPW, which links to implementation of the draft WHO Global Digital Health Strategy spanning 2020 to 2025. Now, under this flagship, there are three main elements that we want to address. Firstly, we're looking to develop a blueprint and establish a baseline understanding of the elements required for delivering success in national digital health ecosystems. This will be done in consultation with member states through the development of a European roadmap for the digitalization of health systems, which will identify each of the building blocks required as countries transition progressively through different levels of digital maturity, and how digital services should be designed, taking into account safety, equitable access, and gender and human rights. The second component is about tackling the governance of health data, which is an area which has really been languishing in Europe and beyond in the past five to ten years. Health data governance hasn't kept up with the pace of technological capability, and we want to help by identifying some best practices. 
This will involve defining a new chart of health data governance and again identifying those elements crucial to leveraging the greatest possible value from health data. Finally, we're looking at exploring new partnership models for digital health that span uh, new and non-traditional partners that are emerging on the digital health landscape and to see how such partnerships can be leveraged to the benefit of member states. Looking to the future, what do you think we can expect from digital health in terms of its impacts on health systems, primary health care and, and public health? Well, digital health is undoubtedly changing the way in which healthcare can and will be delivered. Or as a former Dutch Minister of Health termed it, the transition of care from the waiting room to the living room. This is ultimately about improving the accessibility of health services and is closely linked to the democratisation of healthcare and the development of solutions to empower individuals in their ability to manage their own health and well-being. This will for sure have the impact that rather than being constrained to receiving care in a physical location at a time determined by the system, as individuals will be offered more convenience and hopefully also more transparency through the availability of health data. We're also very likely to see more automation and greater integration in health service delivery better integration between primary and secondary care, better integration in the treatment of chronic disease, better integration between health and social sectors. I also foresee public health undergoing an immense transition catalyzed by digital technologies and data science that will, for example, improve public health forecasting, surveillance and evidence gathering. Finally, how have digital technologies been used to address COVID-19? As the epicentre of the COVID-19 pandemic began to move from Asia towards Europe in the first and second quarters of 2020, we saw digital health being applied to a very broad range of preventative, service delivery and care contexts in supporting urgent and critical response actions. The demand for digital health accelerated the adoption of existing digital solutions in, for example, the use of telemedicine for delivery of primary care but it also sparked the development of new innovations for remote diagnosis, treatment and monitoring of suspected or confirmed COVID-19 cases, and it provided an entirely new approach for contact tracing with the advent of apps for Bluetooth-based digital proximity tracing, as well as new ways of disseminating health information to the public and for conducting accelerated testing and clinical trials. The demand for digital health to support the COVID-19 response also extended to the use of digital technologies in supporting the continuity of essential health services, for example, through electronic prescribing and dispensing of medicines. However, the use of digital technologies for pandemic preparedness and response has also highlighted a number of privacy, rights, ethics and equity-based challenges that need to be addressed through appropriate legislation and transparent mechanisms for governance and accountability. This includes measures to ensure that technology use does not lead indirectly or directly to the stigmatization of individuals, that individual and human rights are not threatened, and that the benefits which digital health brings with it are shared equitably among all population groups in society. Here's what else has been going on in the WHO European region. Coming up next week, WHO Europe's 70th Regional Committee is taking place virtually. Over the course of two days, the Regional Committee will include discussions and voting on the proposed adoption of the European Programme of Work, as well as highlighting the different flagship areas covered by these podcasts. That's behavioural and cultural insights, mental health, immunisation and digital health. 
The session will also mark the International Year of the Nurse and Midwife, as well as the 75th anniversary of the United Nations. Follow on our social media channels and through the hashtag RC70Europe. As part of the EU-funded Solidarity for Health initiative, more medical supplies have been distributed to health workers in Armenia, Azerbaijan and the Republic of Moldova. The initiative has devoted millions of euros to providing vital equipment as the region continues to battle the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, this week marked the first ever International Day of Clean Air for Blue Skies, highlighting the importance of clean air for health and well-being. Find out more on the WHO Europe website and our social media channels. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks to Clayton Hamilton for taking part in the interview. If you want to find out more about digital health, you can do so on our website, that's euro.who.int. We'll be returning to the topic of digital health at this year's regional committee, held virtually from the 14th to 15th of September. Follow on social media through the hashtag RC70Europe. This episode was presented by me, Greg Bianchi. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.